We're closing out this morning our message series on Mysterious Encounters, and I have to tell you, I'm a little sad to see it go. It's, uh, it's been a message series that I've thoroughly enjoyed because um, I, I've, I'm, I was hoping that everyone would understand that this God who has been active in the Old Testament, that in, in supernatural ways encounters his people, is still alive and encountering his people today. And I, I hope you, your eyes have been open to that and you've seen a little bit of that um, as we've been doing the series. Um, you, you know, it, it started out with, uh, with encounters of Jesus um, encountering this uh, demon-possessed man. We've looked at other encounters of, of people encountering angels, even a, a person encountering God, um, Jacob, as he's wrestling with, with God himself. Um, just some really kind of crazy and mysterious encounters. Well, honestly, like this morning is, is going to be hopefully the best, save the best for last. Not that this is really my most favorite of all the stories, but I think in terms of understanding um, how God is alive and it's active and encounters our lives even today, this one um, hits home more than the others. Because let's face it, most of us in here probably will never encounter an angel. Um, we're not going to be wrestling with God like, like Jacob did and so forth. But what we're going to talk about today is something that we all can and ought to experience. So this morning, I'm going to talk to you about the encounter of Samson as Samson encounters the Spirit of God. Now, most of you in here are familiar with the story of Samson. Samson, Samson this, this guy in the Old Testament that had superhuman strength and, um, and did these crazy things um, after he encounters God. Um, but before we get into the story of Samson's mysterious encounter, we've got to talk about the fact that Samson's mom had her own mysterious encounter. Now, first of all, when it comes to Samson's mom, I kind of feel bad for her because she doesn't have a name. Well, she, I'm sure, has a name, but in the Bible, she doesn't have a name. She's known as Manoah's wife. And if you've ever gone to like a work party with your spouse, um, you know what it's like. It's like, this is so-and-so's wife, or this is so-and-so's husband. You don't kind of have your own name. Well, uh, that, that's what it is with Samson, Samson's mom. Um, she's just known as Manoah's wife. Now, with Samson's mom, there's other stuff that's going on that kind of makes her special and unique. And the first is this. She's unable to have children. Now, whenever you read in the Bible and someone's not able to have children or someone's not able to walk, someone's not able to, anytime someone's not able to something, Moses, not able to really speak, God always uses the people who can't to Ken, to do it, so that God can show people that it's not the individual that's doing it, it's God that's doing it. God doesn't do things the easy way. He's, he's not going to, you know, bring Samson from a, a woman who can pop out kids left and right. He's choosing the, this, this woman who's not able to have children. For God, it's go big or go home. So Samson's mom's not able to have any kids, and she has her own mysterious encounter with, um, with the angel of the Lord. Let's take a look at Judges chapter 13 verses 2 to 5. Now, a certain man named Zorah, uh, or a man of Zorah named Manoah, uh, from the clan of the Danites, he had a wife who was childless and was unable to give birth. Now, the angel of the Lord, now, I've told you guys in the past, when the Bible says an angel of the Lord shows up, then an angel shows up. But when the angel of the Lord shows up, this is big stuff, um, God himself is showing up. So the angel of the Lord appears to Manoah's wife, and he says, you are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant, and you're going to give birth to a son. Now, see to it that you drink no wine, or any other fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant, 
and you will have a son uh, whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the time of being in the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Now, before I get any further, what you need to take note of is this, is that Samson is going to be dedicated to God. The Nazarites are dedicated to God. That means they can't do certain things. You don't eat unclean meat. You don't drink alcohol. You don't ever get your hair cut. There's several different things that, that they, they, they can't do. But notice what's being said to the mom, that from the time that the child's in your womb, the child will not. In other words, if she's drinking alcohol, if, if she's eating unclean meat, that would already defile Samson, who's not yet born. We oftentimes think, oh, you know, birth ha or at birth, that's when a person becomes alive and so forth. No, not at all. We even see this here in the book of Judges, that from the time that Samson is growing and developing in the womb of his mom, these rules apply to why? Because he's a person. So this is Samson's mom's encounter with a, a mysterious encounter with the angel of the Lord. Now, Samson has a lot of different uh, mysterious encounters, um, and we can't go through all of them. But I'm picking my favorite, uh, probably the, well, one of the greatest. I guess the greatest is at the end of his life. But next to that, this is probably um, one of the greatest encounters that Samson has um, with, uh, with the Lord. Look at Judges chapter 15, verses 9 to 15. So the Philistines, who are occupying and ruling over um, Israel at this time, the Philistines went up and they camped in Judah, and they spread out near Lehi. Now the people of Judah asked to the Philistines, why have you come to fight us? We have come, they said, not to fight you, but we have come to take Samson prisoner, they answered, to do to him, to do to Samson as he's done to us. So 3,000 then people from Israel, from Judah, they go down to where Samson's hanging out and hiding out to a cave in the rock of Edom. And they say to Samson, don't you realize that the Philistines are rulers over us? What have you done to us? And Samson answered, I merely have done to them what they've done to me. They said to Samson, we've come to tie you up and we're going to hand you over to the Philistines. Samson said, swear to me that you won't kill me yourselves. Agreed, they answered. Uh, we will only tie you up and we'll hand you over to them, but we will not kill you. So they bound Samson up with two new ropes and they led him up from the rock. Now, as he approached Lehi, the, the Philistines, they're coming towards Samson and they're shouting. But then the spirit of the Lord comes powerfully upon Samson and the ropes of his arms become like charred flax, and the bindings drop from his hands. And finding the fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabs it, and he strikes down a thousand Philistines dead. Every time Samson has a mysterious encounter with the Spirit of God, these words take place. And the Spirit of God came upon him powerfully. So powerfully that he's picking up whatever's near him as these ropes are just falling off of him because of his strength. You know, it's a jawbone of a freshly killed donkey. An old donkey would have a brittle jawbone that wouldn't work out real well. A fresh jawbone and he just starts bam, 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 striking people dead. Now, 
if you Google Samson and you look at the pictures that people describe Samson, he's this like buff bodybuilder guy. You know, if you remember Sunday school, Samson's like this guy that must have just worked out in the gym all the time, super muscular. The Bible doesn't say what Samson looks like. The Bible says the spirit of God was upon him and, and, and was blessed by God. I think Samson was probably pretty scrawny. Why? For the same reason that Samson's mom couldn't have kids. God does things big. God does things impressive. He doesn't want to think, people to think that the birth of Samson came about through like, you know, any natural thing that's kind of going on with Samson's mom. God's not going to use the incredible Hulk to be Samson because everyone's going to be like, that dude is strong, right? God wants a scrawny, I, I don't know if he's scrawny or not, but I'm, I'm just going to bet. If I was a betting person, God, you know, God's choosing some guy that isn't real buff to kick the, you know, everyone's tails around, right? So that people understand and know that it is God who is doing the work. Do you remember uh, the, the, the first message in, in this mysterious encounters? Uh, Jesus and his followers uh, pull up shore uh, to this place, and, and there's this guy who's demon possessed. And this demon-possessed guy has superhuman strength. Um, they've tried to chain him up, but, but the guy's able to break the chains and, and, and everything. He's just, he can't be contained. He's, he's, he's crazy, superhuman, strong. I'm here to tell you that if someone who is demon-possessed has the power to break chains and be superhuman strong, how much more so does someone who, who has the Spirit of God come upon him in a very powerful way have strength that is beyond our ability to understand? And I've said that this is my favorite story and I've saved the best for last because what we need to understand is in the same way that the Spirit of God came upon Samson, that we all, every one of us in here have the ability for God's Spirit to come upon us. Look at what Paul says in terms of our bodies and what our bodies are. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your body, it's a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. God, our bodies are temples, churches, a, a room in which the Holy Spirit is actually in us, whom you have received from God, for you are not your own. You see, in the same way that Samson had the Holy Spirit come upon him in, in, in powerful ways, God's Spirit, our bodies are temples in which God's Spirit dwells. And, and, and we all have that opportunity to, to experience what it's like to have the Spirit of God upon us. Now, here's what I need you to understand. That there were certain things that Samson was to do and to not do. You don't cut your hair. You don't do this. You don't do that. That allowed his body to be a, a welcoming place for the Spirit of God to live and to dwell in. Paul says that our bodies are temples so that we need to treat our bodies worthy of the guest that is coming to live and to dwell in us. That we need to respect ourselves and so that we would treat our bodies not through destructive living, not through, you know, sleeping around, not through getting drunk, not through doing drugs, not overeating. You know what? Your body's a temple. We, we don't eat to just live and survive. We eat for pleasure. Well, when we do that, we're not treating our bodies as they deserve. Um, trash TV, watching, that, looking at porn, all these things are ways in which, listen, if your body is the temple of God, you, you if God's going to come upon Samson in a certain way, Samson has to be um, receptive to an inviting of the God who wants to occupy him. It's kind of like 
you know, you go to the hotel and it's not, you know, you don't smoke and the people there like that were there before you smoke, it reeks of smoke. You don't want to stay there. Our bodies, we're to treat like it's a temple. We don't really worship at temples anymore, but we think of churches like temples, right? So I would hope that when you come in this place that you act a little differently than, than what you do outside the doors. You know, I would hope that you're not you know, cussing like a sailor in here, like if you need to do that. You treat the place with respect. You go outside and do that if you need to do that. I, you, know, you, you might plow down a six-pack of beer at your house, but you know, I'd appreciate it if you didn't plop down in the chairs and, and plop, you know, suck down a six-pack six of beer, right? You might have to go to the bathroom really bad, but you know, don't be like heading to the corner of this building, right? That's a little disgusting. I, I remember when we started this church and it was just built, um, I had someone that was an elder and they're like, they saw that back wall, you know, they're like, man, that, that is gonna, that, we, we need to build a rock climbing wall back there on the back wall of the church. And I'm like, yeah, look at it. I mean, it probably would be a nice rock. I, I'm like, we're not going to build a rock climbing wall on the back wall of the church. He's like, why not? I'm like, because it's a church. It's set apart. It's dedicated. To... I get people worship in gyms and multi-purpose rooms, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're going to build a church for God, we're not going to be dripping sweat down the wall and like slipping and cussing and all that. We ain't going to do that. He didn't like that. So he went to the other elders and tried to go over my head. I didn't like that, right? Well, we don't have a rock climbing wall back there, right? <laughs> you know, to, to treat our bodies with respect, even as we would treat the church with respect. Because when we, when we, make, when we make our bodies welcoming for the Holy Spirit, right? for the Holy Spirit to kind of live and dwell in. The Spirit is going to come in us. And, and like with Samson, he's get the superhuman strength and starts, you know, killing a thousand people with the jawbone of a donkey. But with us, we will become different when God's Spirit is living and dwelling in us. We, we will no longer be our own. We're going to be special. You can think of it in terms of like a basketball, right? A basketball is just a basketball, unless Michael Jordan has shot some baskets with that basketball. And especially if he has shot it at a championship game, that basketball is now worth something. It's different than any other basketball. You're going to be able to get money for that basketball. That is a special basketball, not because it's a basketball, because of whose hand it was in. Baseball, um, I, going back a few years, but Nolan Ryan, right? You know, if Nolan Ryan pitched with that baseball, if he threw uh, 105 miles an hour with it, if, if, if he used it in, in the World Series, that baseball is going to be worth more than any other baseball. Why? Because of the hand who threw with it. Football. If Tom Brady deflated that football, <laughs> just kidding. I'm just a bitter Buffalo Bills fan, right? I am. But seriously, Tom Brady, one of the greatest quarterbacks that, that there ever was. If he throws with that football, that football special, not because it's a football, but because whose hands have thrown that football. That's when, when, we, when we understand that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, where we change and we become different is that, you know, that, that God's Spirit, once he lives and dwells in us, will we'll no longer be the same. We'll be special, not because of who we are, but who he is that lives and dwells in us. And I'm here to tell you that for those who, who understand this, for those who get this, for those who make their bodies a, a suitable temple for the Spirit of God to come into and they receive them as such, uh, man, you see crazy things happening. 
I can't tell you how many stories I've heard, and listen, they're true, they're true, they're true. Um, And our Pentecostal brothers and sisters tend to have these experiences more because they tend to be a little bit more open to how God's Spirit is working in their lives. But you'll hear stories of of people be like, you know, God's put it on my heart to go and say something, go and do something. And and I've literally heard from a person, you know, God told me to to go uh, buy some diapers, milk, and bread or whatever, and knock on this door at 10 p.m. You know, can you imagine having God like move your heart that way? I'm, I'd be afraid to go to someone's door at 10 p.m. with anything. They're going to shoot you. But this person did it, and, and it's not someone shooting them. The person's in tears. It's exactly what they're praying for at the time. But are you, is your body a temple in which God's spirit lives and dwells, and, and that God's able to, to, to do those things and, and accomplish those things through you or not? I remember like two years ago, a little over two years ago maybe, um, we actually have a Pentecostal group that uses our, uh, some of the rooms of our church. Uh, uh, they're, they're from Peru, a Peruvian Pentecostal group, um, and they use it on Sunday afternoons. And I remember when the, um, the guy was coming to ask and, and to see if it was a possibility for them to meet here and rent some space here. Um, I had never met this guy before in my life, and, uh, and, and I was just kind of showing him around and talking to him about stuff. And uh, in the once again, this guy doesn't know me. Um, he doesn't know anything about me. But in the middle of like this discussion, he just stops the conversation and says, "This is going to seem really weird." And and and, and I, I, I apologize. I don't really know why I'm saying this, but I really feel God's telling me to to say this to you. And uh, and he says, "You know, um, I, I understand. You know, God sees your hurt. God sees your pain. God sees that you're going through this, and you're and you're feeling about this." And he just starts saying, first of all, most people will never really." know if I'm in a good mood or a bad mood because I don't really like emotions, so I try to usually hide them either way. And especially if I'm in a bad mood or something, I'm just not going to allow people to see that, right? And so this guy who doesn't know when I'm in a good mood or a bad mood or things are going great or not, he's like reading my book. He's like telling me everything that I'm feeling and thinking. And I didn't like it at all, right? And then at the end of it, you know, there's this blessing. There's like, you know, but, but, but know that God's going to use you and this is coming and, 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 and whatever. And, and honestly, like for the last couple of years of my life, I've been sitting there thinking, yeah, yeah, right. You know, he, he was really good at like reading me, but, but, you know, when's this other stuff coming? And, and I don't know, it's, it's certainly gotten crazy here over the last uh, uh, couple months or so in my life. Uh, but, but, you know, for him to even be brave enough to say something like that, I mean, who does that? I mean, once again, if like I'm just meeting someone and God's like putting it on my heart to just like say something to someone that I don't even know how this person really is, it might be utter nonsense. I I think God tells me to say that, I'd be like, no thanks, right? But are are we allowing our bodies to be a a place in which the spirit of God can live and dwell and and do his thing. Um, Just just this last like couple weeks, I've been been, like really kind of trying to get my hands on everything that's going on here. Just so many new people coming here. We we looked, I think we've had like 55 that we know of, 55 new families uh, join us and worship and visit us in the last uh, couple months, which, you know, during this time, like I'm not aware of any other churches that have this kind of crazy stuff going on. And it's like, you know, how do I handle that? Because like, like if I wait too long to try to kind of really spiritually develop and grow people and get people to, to, to the next, this next place to kind of get them plugged in the congregation, if I wait too long, you know, they're, they're going to just kind of not build those relationships. They're not going to be grown in their faith, and, and, and I will have squandered something that God's done. Um, but, you know, if I do it too soon, too soon, then, you know, there's a lot of financial implications for that when you're trying to staff and hire for that. And, you know, I'm just really kind of struggling with how to handle that. And, and you, know, I've, you know, other than like when we first started this church and it was like, 
really rapidly growing uh, the first couple years. Um, I, I've never had to really deal with that from, from a staffing perspective or a management perspective. And I'm trying to wrap my mind around all of that. And like the next day, like some guy, and it's a whole story to itself, but I'll tell it to you sometime later. But um, he's following God and he ends up uh, uh, sitting down and talking to me in my office for uh, a couple hours. And, and this guy's gifts are exactly like where I was just kind of talking to God about, you know, where my weaknesses were. And I'm just like, listen to him talk for an hour, listen to his theology and, and whatever, and, and, and feeling what he feels like God's putting on his heart to do and so forth. And I'm like, didn't we just talk about this yesterday, God? And it's like, hmm. But then I have this conversation with him, and then a couple days later, I'm like, yeah, but if I do this, there's going to be this problem, and I really hate to do this because I would feel bad about doing this, and, and, and I was really kind of struggling with, with how to handle a certain aspect of that whole conversation, and, and then I've got someone that uh, has always been very supportive of me uh, email me and say, you know what, I, I could really use 15 minutes of your time. And I'm like, well, that was after last week's sermon, so maybe I ticked him off with that. So if you guys were here, you know what I'm talking about, right? Um, and I'm like, oh, this guy's always supportive. Oh, if this guy's going to complain, that's not going to be good. So he comes in, and it's like, here it comes. And then he's like, the very thing that I was like struggling with, he's like starting to, you know, choke up, or you could just see the emotion, and he, and he starts telling me everything that I was struggling with about doing that I, I really need to consider doing that. And I'm like, that guy's never, never come in my office and told me what to do any other time. And it's like, and then I'm like, well, if God's doing this and God's doing that, hmm, I bet you God's doing this. And I, you know, send out something and, and, and sure enough, like the response on that was just crazy too. And that's just like, God does that, right? When, when you open your heart, when you live in the moment, right? It's like we can have all of our plans of what we want to do and what we want to accomplish and how things are going to be. But when we actually just sit there and we'll allow God to lead and listen to him and to listen to how his spirit moves, I'm telling you, crazy things happen. And so what, I, what I'm excited about with this message is not that it's, you know, all that exciting that Samson's killing a bunch of people with the skull of a, a, a donkey and everything, but for you to understand that, you know, what, whatever you're dealing with, and like, I mean, seriously, are you intimidated by whatever the, the, the uncertainties, fears, whatever's going on in your, in your life that's frustrating you, um, that you're afraid of, should it really bother you that when the Spirit of God comes upon, you know, someone like Samson, he's able to kill a thousand people with the skull of a donkey? If God's spirit is alive and he's working in you, um, what do you have to worry about? You know, some people are all worried, like, what's going to become of the world? The world's, you know, it, it's going crazy. Got to get a lot of guns. We got to protect ourselves. We, it's, it, you know. You know, our grandparents were saying the world's going to hell in a handbasket like years ago. Their grandparents, were, everyone's been saying, maybe it is. It seems like it might be. But even if it is, does it really matter? I mean, if you're living in the spirit of God, if God literally lives and dwells in you, are you really worried about what's going to happen to the world? I mean, aren't we supposed to be like looking to heaven and, 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 and our hope and our certainty in that? You know, so many people, not you guys that are here, I understand, but so many people are, are just still so afraid of sick and, and dying. And it's like, Why? Why? I mean, if, if God lives and dwells in you, you shouldn't be afraid of it anyways. And what's the worst you're going to do? What, die and like live forever in paradise? That, that, that scares you? 
you know, we're worried about our jobs. We're worried about our children. We're worried about boundaries with our children. We're worried about if we discipline our children, what if our children, you know, do this? What if they don't like us anymore? What if, you know, we're worried about relationships with, with certain people and like, you know what, I, I, I know I need to put better boundaries on this. Maybe I even need to cut this off, but what if I don't have any friends or what if I don't have that companionship? Like bad attention's better than no attention. You know, all, all these things, right? Like I said, not to mention, you know, having to, you know, get some more guns and, you know, like, you can't put, someone asked me the other day, you know, what if I get this gun, that gun, you know, what do you think about that? And I'm like, you know what, don't put your faith in your trust in guns. Someone's always going to have a bigger one. And if they don't have a gun, they have a rocket propelled grenade, right? And that's coming from the pastor who has two guns, right? But I don't put my trust and my faith in it, not at all. God's spirit is, is able to do immeasurably more than, than what you can imagine. What we ought to not be worried about is my job and, and, and how this is going to turn out and that turn out. You know what? We, the only thing we ought to really worry about if we're going to worry about anything is, is am, am I in a position that God will feel welcome for his spirit to live and dwell in my temple? I think if you're going to worry about anything, that, that, that is what we need to worry about. Because if that's in place, then I'm here to tell you whatever these different issues are, they just don't matter. The only thing that matters is if, if your body is a temple in which God's spirit is living and acting, that his spirit can come upon you in a powerful way. So I'm going to encourage us all, maybe consider a few steps, uh, certain processes to, to, to kind of check to see if, if, if we're in a position for God's spirit to be at work in our lives. And, and the first is this, make your temple guest ready. You know, if you want hummingbirds in your yard, you're gonna do certain things to have honey, hummingbirds, right? You gotta put that sugar water out there. You gotta put the right type feeders that only they can get to. You know, if you do certain things, you know, you're gonna probably have hummingbirds. If, you, if you're putting stuff out for crows, you're probably not gonna get the hummingbirds, right? So here's the deal. If, if like, if you got a guest coming to your house, what are you gonna do? You're gonna pick up the house. You're, you know, you're gonna get their room ready. You're gonna fold some towels and, and some washcloths, have it out on the foot of the bed. You're not going to say, oh, when they show up at the door, oh, man, it's so good to have you. We're looking forward to having you at, at our house. As your, the, the house is a site. Let me show you to where you're sleeping. It's not going to look like an episode of Hoarders. Not if you really want them to be staying there. You're going to show it as a priority and you're going to make that room ready. You're going to make them want to be there, want to stay there. And listen, I'm not like preaching salvation by good works or that we manipulate or control God in any way. But I am saying this, that in the same way that you don't want, if you don't smoke, if you don't smoke, you don't want to be staying in a hotel room that reeks of smoke. You just don't want to. You know, there's things that we can do in our lives that, that make us put up walls and barriers for God's spirit to live and dwell and, and to act in our lives in a powerful way. Make your temple guest ready. The second thing is learn to let God be in control. You know, I did a shout out to our Pentecostal friends because I think that they are more in tune to hearing how God's spirit works. But I think where some of our Pentecostal friends come up short is once they understand the power that comes when, when God's living and dwelling in you, sometimes they tend to use it for their own advantage and their own purpose. And what I mean by that is, is when you recognize that God works in that way, what we can find ourselves doing is, is kind of claiming what, what we want God to do in our lives. It's like we process through things and we ask God, you know, God, I 
I'd like you to do this and like you to do that. Move these mountains, do these different things. Where we begin to tell God what to do versus God telling us what to do. Now, if you go back to Samson, God didn't make Samson strong because Samson wanted to look like some kind of killer, you know, animal like 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 Hulk kind of dude, right? God's using Samson's not using God. God's using Samson so that Samson would deliver the people of Israel from the Philistines. And so when the spirit of God comes upon us, we, we, this is our problem for most of us. We're like, we want God's spirit to come upon us, but we don't want to take our hands off the wheel, let alone get away from the driving wheel, sit in the passenger seat and say, all right, God, whether you go on 20 or 120, here you go, you take the wheel and you go. Part of trusting God and living in faith is that, you know what, it's not about what I will, it's not about what I want, it's not about how rich I get, it's not about how long I live, it's not about how successful I am, it's not about how much people love it, it's not about any of that stuff, it's about God, you know what, you are in control, I, 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 I want my heart to be a place in which your spirit lives and dwells so that you can do amazing things in my life, not so that I can do amazing things in my life through you. Step number three, be willing to look like a fool for the gospel. I'm here to tell you that guy who had to show up at the door at 10 p.m. and drop off stuff, that he was willing to be a fool for the gospel. Miguel, who was like sitting there talking to me in the foyer, telling me all these things that are popping around in my mind, not knowing if they really were, he's willing to be a fool for the gospel. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4 that, uh, that they are fools for Christ's sake. In fact, Paul's making fun of the Corinthians because the Corinthians are so much like I know I am and, and you are as Christians. Like we want to just fit in. We want to look normal. We want to act normal. I mean, we want to be Christians, but we want to be cool about it, right? Paul says, I'm willing to be a fool for the sake of the gospel. And he says, I am being a fool for it. You got to be willing to be a fool. I mean, like the Old Testament, the, the stuff that God asked some of his prophets to do in the Old Testament, it scares the daylights out of me because he'll literally tell one to sit there in the dirt and to, to play war, right? Like with Legos. They didn't have Legos back then, but whatever. You know, he's, so the prophets, you know, when told by God, will sit there in the dirt and do battle scenes. I'm telling you, like, that, that person looks like a fool. Um, there's another prophet that, that, that God basically, I can't remember if it's for a year, it's for a long, he's, he's got to basically sit in the public street, in the dusty street, naked. <laughs> that would be bad. God asked that, right? I, I can't imagine that Samson felt pretty good about himself picking up like the jawbone of a donkey. You know, you got a thousand men running towards you and he picks up the, you think they were like, whoa, that's a nice jawbone, Samson, right? What about David? You know, here's Goliath coming. Goliath's mocking him because David's picking up a couple small stones in this thing. You got to be willing to look foolish for the sake of the gospel because God's not going to do it through ways in which it looks like it's you. And then really the last thing that I want to encourage all of us with is that, you know, we have to look for opportunities for God to work in our life. You know, when we've opened ourselves up for God to live and to dwell in us and for God to do work through us, and let me tell you, there's no more fulfilling way to live than when you're living for God rather than yourself. But when you've done that, when you've taken your hand off the wheel, when you're willing to say things and look stupid and do whatever for the sake of the gospel, then you need to basically look to God to work mightily in your life. Look Look at Acts chapter 4, 29 to 31. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word and with great boldness. O Lord, stretch out your hands. 
to heal and to perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. That was the prayer. And after they prayed this, the place that they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. You see, when you've allowed God's spirit to do his work in your life, when you've gotten out of the way, when, when you stop stinking up the temple, right? Look for God to do amazing things. They pray this prayer, and suddenly, like, the place is just shaking. It's filled with the Holy Spirit. When the place shakes, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then what's going on in the world? It doesn't scare you. It doesn't intimidate you. Because if God is there, I mean, the, the power that comes, right? When God is boldly at work in your life, you become bold for him because of the boldness that's not in yourself, but, but comes from him. You know, I, I, I want you guys to understand these mysterious encounters of the past. God didn't just do that for a period of time. He's still doing it today. There's none that's more relevant to us than the fact that... Um, that our bodies are temples of, of God's spirit. Samson picks up the jawbone of a donkey because the spirit of the Lord came upon him powerfully. The spirit of God is able to come upon each and every one of us powerfully. I want you to experience the power of that living, not in a selfish way, right? But, I mean, I, I, not that we're controlling God and telling God what to do, but also though, if, if God's like living in you, you don't have to live in fear of some of the things, any of the things that we're afraid of. So whether it's our jobs or our relationships or uncertainty about this or a healthy, you can let that all go because the spirit of God is going to, is going to work powerfully in your life, not for your glory, not for your benefit, but for, for his. I know, like, you know, I've told little bits of the story, but, like, um, uh, you know, when we started this church 20 years ago, this, this coming December, um, I told you, in, like, a matter of two and a half years, we went from my house to a movie theater to a shopping center to here. I mean, we grew quick. I mean, I, I was like, I, I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I hope I was never, like, arrogant, cocky, or stuck on myself, but I was, you know, probably around 30 and 31 back then, so probably maybe a little bit of all that. I don't know. Hope not. But, you know, it stopped, you know, for 17 years. And I have to tell you, during those 17 years, I'm like, you know, I think for good motives, like I'm trying to figure out what's it going to take to grow this church, not because I, I, I want, like, a huge church. I, I, I don't, I'm busy enough, right? I, I don't need that. I certainly, the older I get, don't want that glory, that attention. I don't, I don't need any of that stuff, right? I just want to serve God faithfully, but part of serving God faithfully means that you're being a good steward of what he's given you, that you're doing a good job leading as a pastor. And all. These were the things that, like, Miguel's reading my mind about two years ago when I'm really struggling, and, and so I think, you know, God knew my heart, right? The funny thing is, is, like, everything I've tried in those 17 years to try to get things growing again and, and get people to invite people and, and to try to make a difference in the communities. It's like the harder I tried, it's like, it would just like, if, if there was like a special like gimmick month of, hey, bring a friend and for every friend, we're going to, we're going to do this and that. It's like, if I remember the one month I tried that, like attendance died by 20%. <laughs> God doesn't, at least in my experience, work that way. He doesn't want you to think it's about you. So now like, you know, this year starts and, and I'm feeling like God's telling me to, you know, speak a different message than anyone else is speaking that, that, that you know, 
as people, we shouldn't be living in the fear that we are and that we should have boldness and you don't need to be worrying about, uh, you know, dying, that you need to be willing to run to the fire, run to the plague rather than run away from it. We're not going to do this and we're not going to do that. We're going to go about, you know, I, I'm like saying all these things and I'm like, this is going to be really bad. No one else is, I must be really messed up in the head because I'm understanding it a certain way that no one else is. And, and, and I'm like, you know, it's, it's nice being a pastor for the last 20 years at Lie of the World. That'll be done, you know. You get people sending you emails you never even heard of. I hope you enjoy killing all the people in your congregation, you know. I've gotten emails like that. The message I gave this past Sunday, I, uh, I believe in that 100%, but I had someone quit the church over it this week. I also had a gazillion people say, wow, that was amazing. But you know, you, but you know what? All the time, you know, you, you got to face like, you know, there's truth and there's, you know, wanting everyone to be happy, but you, you, you just got to be faithful to God. And so now it's like, I'm not doing anything other than really trying to keep being obedient to what I feel like God's calling me to do. And it's like, I'm not advertising on social media. I'm not doing this or this, that, but people just kind of keep coming. Oh, we heard about you this. We heard, not that we've like been marketing towards that. And it's almost like when you don't try, then the Spirit of God says, all right, now here, I'm going to do this work and I'm going to do this thing. And, and now that pressure's on me to be faithful with it. You know, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, with 50 plus people, families visiting here in the last couple months, you know, how I keep being faithful with that so that for as long as this kind of continues, that, that God puts his favor, his blessing, his whatever, that, that I'm, I'm being responsible with that and I'm managing it in a good way, in a godly way, and so forth. You know, I, I, I love, you know, we had a life group meeting um, for the people that are leading our life group um, like two, three weeks ago, and uh, there's this um, husband and wife. They've only been here for about six weeks, but they've decided that, you know what, we're going to be life group. I asked them, and, and I think I asked them, but they're going to be life group's uh, leaders at the church. And um, they've only been here six weeks, and they're stepping up and doing it. How many of us have been here 16 years, and we haven't done that much, Right. The same uh, person at this meeting, she, I loved it. I, I would have paid her to do it, but she did it, so I didn't have to pay her. Uh, but, but, but she just basically said to her, she's like, you guys need to be telling your friends about what's going on here because there's people that are hurting. There's people that want to hear this good news. They want to hear faith over fear. They want to be at a place in which they can shake hands, that, that they can feel like, you know, life is normal and all these other things. And, and she's alone, like her and her husband, I think brought like 40 people to this congregation the last six weeks or so. So what I'm challenging, especially my, my older, you know, members with and stuff like that is, you know, th this is a time, this is a place, this is a season, this is what God's doing right now in this place, and I, I really need all of us to step up to, to make our bodies conduits of the Spirit of God, that he would use us boldly to speak his name, boldly to invite people uh, to, to hear a message and have experience that they're not experiencing in, in, in many places these days. And, but my hope is that that's not just for the Lord's will in terms of the spreading of his kingdom, but that also you would experience that in your own lives. So that whatever you're struggling with, whatever your fears are, whatever your doubts are, whatever keeps you up at night, that it just doesn't have to. Because if God is for you, who can be against you? Would you join me in a word of prayer uh, this morning as we just pray a little bit about um, the presence of God uh, coming into our lives and his spirit working in such a way that, um, uh, that, that he would allow us to uh, really step out in faith. Um, 
Merciful God, I just thank and praise you for this uh, Mysterious Encounter uh, message series, one that's near and dear to me because I've had so many different encounters with you in my own life, which I've never really understood why, and, and I still don't really, um, but yet I, I receive them for what they are. Help us first and foremost to um, realize and understand that uh, um, as you've been present in, in people's lives in the past, that you are uh, still present today. Help us, gracious God, to stop polluting our bodies, um, that we would treat them with respect, that we would do things that would make it appear that uh, our heart and our mind welcomes your presence in the temple in our bodies, that, that we would make right and make ready a room for you so that we wouldn't be working against you, but that we would be working for you, that um, we would not be understanding there's great power when the presence of God lives and dwells in us, that we would not turn that around and use it for ourselves, for our own glory, for our own benefit, but that we would use that to be able to experience your presence in our lives in a way that we've never experienced and to be able to see the hand, uh, your hand work in a way that we've never been able to see and to experience uh, so that we might understand purpose and value on a level far greater than when we're just simply living our lives for ourselves. You are a great God and you are a mighty God and, and you are to be praised. We thank you, gracious God, that you pour out your love and you pour out your blessings and we just pray, merciful God, um, that we would be um, conduits of such uh, for those who hurt, for those who live in fear, for those who live in doubt, for those who live in pain, for those who live in anxiety, that they might know you and that they might know truth and that that truth might set them free. We pray this, gracious God, in the name that is above every name. We pray it in the name that we're told every knee bows in heaven and on earth and under the earth. We pray it in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I just thank you for this journey as uh, you guys have, uh, and by the way, the light's going out. That was a surprise to me too. So um, I'm guessing uh, Les did that in the back, but yeah, I was like, whoa. Um, but um, I hope you've enjoyed that, uh, that journey of, of the mysterious encounters. And, uh, and um, I, I just pray that God would continue to grow us all and develop us all in our faith, that we might know him a very real way. Um, I pray all of you have a, uh, have a wonderful day, have a wonderful week, and we'll look forward to seeing you next weekend for our new series. Thank you.